Hello everyone, here is Daniel with another episode of our Ecom show and uh, today I'm here with Alvin from the distant Australia, at least for me it's distant, but we have Australians quite regularly in this show actually. This show is sponsored by Budai Media. Budai Media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency. In the last three years, Budai Media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients. If you want to check out their website, go to thebudaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. It's really good to have you here, Alvin. How are you today? I'm good, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Today, we will discuss a topic which is underrepresented in the podcast, let's say, because now we are over 110 episodes recorded, but still we haven't talked about product design, which is actually an important part of an e-commerce business and product businesses. That's why I'm really happy that we got connected. Actually, I followed Alvin on uh, through his YouTube channel, and I think he's around 20,000 subscribers now, something like that. Am I saying right? Not quite. Not quite. I think it's just uh, about 8,000 or 10,000, I think okay. somewhere there. But, uh, but we'll get to 20,000 soon, hopefully, yeah. Daniel. <laughs> just a matter of time, I'm sure. So yeah, that's how we got connected. And uh, I also just started my YouTube channel like uh, a bit more than a month ago. And uh, we discussed YouTube, but also he told me about uh, his team and what he does. So we will discuss product design. That's the focus today. But before that, so please share your personal story with us. How did you start with uh, product design, design in general? Have you had any other business before? No. So Relab is my only business. Relab is a design consultancy here in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, we like to think about ourselves as strategic thinkers in digital product design. And the difference that we bring in as an external consultancy to our clients usually is just our lean and fast approach to you know solving design problems. And mostly the design problems will be around digital products. So whether it's applications or websites or portals, that sort of stuff. But yeah, personal story. So I'm an immigrant here in Australia. My background is Indonesian. So I'm actually half Indonesian, half Filipino. My mom's Filipino. My dad's Indonesian. Growing up in Indonesia, I've always liked design stuff. I've always liked design. So yeah, I always knew that I wanted to get into design, but what specifically, I wasn't quite sure. And so I went to Malaysia actually after that to study for a bit. And that's where I started my graphic design studies. And I selected graphic design because it's the most general thing as as an indecisive designer or creative, I feel like, oh, okay, what's the most broad thing that I could learn when it comes to design? It seems like graphic design was one of it. Plus, I love brands and logos and that sort of stuff growing up. So yeah, I ended up studying graphic design. And then the program that I was in was a twinning program with one of the universities here in Australia. And that's how I ended up here in, in Australia. And, and so I graduated, did my honors over here, and pretty much got stuck here because this is where I started working. This is where I started my professional career. And then I did you know design which is started off as a graphic designer and then during that phase probably about 15 years ago or so there's that transition into the digital world and that's when the you know the dot-com started to boom and e-commerce started to boom and that's where I transitioned as a digital designer then I guess it was more known as a digital designer or UX design or UI design and so yeah and that's where I started my UA, UI and UX design career and I started my business Relab and so now we're running now oh, it's it's almost nine years 
are actually just past nine years. And yeah, the niche has always been in digital design, in mm -hmm. mainly UI and in UX and in design thinking comes into it. I guess now most of the things that we do are product design, digital product design. And the way I would describe it is probably kind of like the intersection between business and UX design or user experience design. So yes, we design softwares, websites, applications, whatnot to satisfy the user needs, but there's a huge business element around it. And so understanding the business needs and opportunities is equally important. I guess that's a bit of my story, but yeah, I've got two sons, I'm married, I've got a beautiful wife and um, living a happy life so far. So can't be grateful enough. Yeah, and just one quick question before we jump into product design further. Do you think your international background uh, and also your family background, it helped you in your in the business world? Absolutely, uh, Daniel. Does that help me in business? I'd, I'd like to think so, Daniel. I mean, like subconsciously, I feel like we're more resilient as an, as an immigrant, just because first of all, well, I, I don't have any other family here. Well, now I've got my sister who came here to study as well. And my wife has got her brother and all of that. But you know, when I started off over here, I feel like uh, I was on my own. And so I had to build that resilience, just going through the tough moments, you kind of feel lonely. I mean, like even until today, running business sometimes feels very lonely, but you're used to, I guess, having to work really, really hard for something. And because as an immigrant, I started off not having a lot of benefits uh, from the government as well. You're used to having to do things on your own without having to hope for help. So I think that helps a lot in shaping me as a business owner, because then you kind of feel like you have to solve things on your own. Sometimes it's not a good thing because you always rely on your own strength and forgetting that you actually can have support from others around you. But then yeah, it makes you feel, I guess, a little bit stronger when you have to go through the tough yeah. times. Yeah, I think resilience is a good word that you used actually and uh, I can see that immigrants and people with a very uh, mixed background let's say when it comes to nationality of their family they are overrepresented among successful entrepreneurs I can definitely see that, that there are many talking about product design so first of all how to see good product design if I'm not a designer how I can notice that to me a good product design I guess I'd probably go back to a very cliche quote by none other than Steve Jobs <laughs> he says a good design is that works more than just you know looking good or feeling good but it's how it works so i guess if we talk about good product design to me it's basically the holistic experience not just from the user side but also the business side by business side i'm talking about the admin or different roles that are available in the business so let's say if we're designing a, a, a portal for a uh, a wine company a wine distributor then it also needs to work really really well for their sales people for their you know customer service people not just the end user or their customers. I think good product design is our products that not only look or feel good, but it also works really well seamlessly within its ecosystem. And that has something to do with being able to support the customer experience as a whole, CX, we're talking about CX, but also the service design side of things. So to me, product design has a very strong connection to the service design part of the business, as well as the customer experience side of the business. Maybe can you mention brands' names that uh, it's worth to follow? You mentioned Steve Jobs and almost everyone knows him and he was really crazy and very committed to great UX and product mm. design and simplicity and Apple 
which is, I think that's the biggest uh, company today when it comes to evaluation. But besides Apple, what brands do you recommend us to follow? Besides the, I guess the cliche ones like Apple, the Googles or the Apples of the world, I like to look at actual physical products as well. So I think Herman Miller is actually a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, so Herman Miller, the fancy office chairs. I mean, like they're popular for their chairs, but more than that, I think holistically, they serve their customers really well from a customer service point of view, even content. Like if you look at their resources or their blog, the way it's been segmented is actually really, really good. So I think as a whole, in addition to their actual physical product, they have a very good service design and product design value to me, which I think rooted from, for sure, the leadership and the leadership teams. In the digital world, I probably like to think about companies like Shopify. Klaviyo, as a matter of fact, um, is probably a good example because how far they've come in the last few years. You know Klaviyo very well, Daniel, but um, I think it's quite fascinating how they've grown and I feel like it has a lot to do with the product design. I mean, like as an agency, we work with a lot of enterprise clients and oftentimes they work with other softwares that are enterprise and the user experience and the product design is really, really bad comparing to platforms such as Shopify or Klaviyo where it just feels so seamless and it's so easy to use and, and uh, we're quite happy actually working on smaller SME or small to medium businesses projects sometimes because we end up with something like Shopify and Klaviyo and boy like it's so easy to use uh, in general so to me that's a really good product design example and, and the way they've documented at least with Shopify the way they've documented their systems design systems uh, the way they've built a community around it like the Shopify town hall events that sort of stuff um, that's that's really really good yeah so I guess those are some of the brands that I can think of my head. You mentioned that enterprise level software tools, they are more complex and mm. their UX is terrible. And I agree with that. I used a few of them as well. I yeah, tried without, a few. Without having to name names. <laughs> and uh, yeah. my, my question is, when we are in B2C and we move to B2B products more like Shopify, Clevy, when we go to enterprise level B2B, like let's say Salesforce, SAP, whatever. Can you yeah. see this, that UX is usually gets worse? Because in B2C, <laughs> there is an Apple phone, let's say, it must be used by everyone. I mean, even a monkey could use it or it's an mm. exaggeration, but I think you get what you mean. It must be simple. And then there is Clavio, which is more complex, but UX is still okay. And when it comes to enterprise level, then UX is don't think it's a priority anymore. Can yeah, you see this yeah. trend? I, I agree with you, Daniel. I mean, like it, it becomes too convoluted when it gets to an enterprise level. And I guess there are reasons for that as well. It's probably just, you know, the life cycle of the product at that point. Like if we talk about Salesforce as an example, they've acquired so many different companies from like, if yeah. we talk about email marketing as an example, before it is the Salesforce, like at the moment it's Salesforce marketing cloud, but then they've acquired, you know, companies like Bronto and, and in the e-commerce side, they acquired companies like Demandware. And I guess the process of bringing that in together, you know, result into something that is quite a huge monster that is quite a mess. And I'm sure they're working on something around it. And the general experience as a user would be quite, yeah, it's just convoluted and cumbersome sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we find like even working with clients as well, working with a small business mm -hmm. feels a lot more simple and it's just cleaner. There's just less mess around it. But when we start working with enterprise companies, especially when they're an enterprise, and they're global then yeah just be prepared with you know you're having to deal with a lot of mess and i feel like that's just part of the nature of it yeah, yeah, yeah i agree so last time when we talked you mentioned the uh, six stages of product design so now i'm really curious what are those six stages and i guess six is just my version of it but then generally speaking you can people have different versions whether it's five to nine or whatever from my point of view it starts with um understanding first if i could draw a diagram i guess it starts with understand at the very 
first, and then you go define from there, and you ideate, and then you decide, then you prototype, and then you validate. Now, those cycles could really loop around. You could start from understanding, defining, all the way to validating, and then you can like loop back to ideating again. So I'll start with understand first. So the stage of understanding is really understanding two things from my point of view. One is understanding the user, which is the end user itself, but you're also trying to understand the business. And the way we would do this is usually you run expert interviews. We call it expert interviews, where you would gather you know, different stakeholders in a room, whether it's the CEOs or the chief marketing officer, or even their, their product managers. You gather them in the room and you just interview them in a specific format and then you take notes. So it's really like an interview. And we call it expert interviews because you're interviewing the experts, trying to understand their vision of what the business is meant to do or what this product is meant to do. So in a product design example, we would probably ask, you know, in two years time, what do you think this product will be? If, if everything goes according to plan, if you're kicking goals here, what will the product look like? And then you ask questions like, who is it meant to serve? What is it meant to do? That sort of stuff, right? And then you can do a lot of stuff in there from, you know, like user journey mapping and that sort of stuff. So there's many UX activities or, or design thinking activities that you can put into understand. But essentially understanding the business needs or the business goals and understanding the user needs. And then you start defining from there, uh, a step that we call define. So basically you're defining the premise here, what the issue is, the current solution and the end goal. So usually in the UX world or the product design world, this comes in the form of like an experience strategy template or a set of design principles, success metrics, value proposition canvas, like all of those keywords or business model canvas could be a, def a defined thing as well. This is where you have understood the problem, have understood the challenges, have understood the goal, and then you reframe it in a blank piece of paper almost uh, to get everyone the same page, right? And mm -hmm. oftentimes people will vote on, you know, solutions as well, and they have a winning solution or a winning idea that they will go and progress further to the next step, which is ideate. Third one is ideate. Ideate is where, you know, the designy things happen. Oftentimes, um, this is where you would start, you know, sketching solutions, or you would do some brainstorming. I've done a lot of videos around the crazy eight method, that sort of stuff. But yeah, essentially, you're doing solution sketching, we call it. And this is where your team would co-design. Usually, the way we do it is we would, you know, form a team, we would co-design together, including clients as well, which is a great thing, because you get to see what their ideas are visually, because they might be thinking about something, but you don't know until they like start sketching. So it doesn't matter if they're because it's not a drawing competition. It's not about how beautiful the drawing is. But at least once they get to visualize their idea in a piece of paper, then you get to see, oh, okay, this is what Tommy meant the other day. Without all of that, you don't get that idea. And then the fourth one is, um, is to decide. Deciding means based on the solutions that you've seen, all of the different solutions that you've seen, usually you would like pin it up on the wall. Or if we were doing this digitally, then you would just pin it up in your Miro or your Miro or whatever digital whiteboard that you use. And then you see the range of different ideas or solutions that comes from the different people. And that's where the beauty of co-design happens because you're doing this collaboratively. And then you can vote on certain features or certain ideas that you like. And you can even decide on, you know, the winning solution. And then, but you also like one, one of the other feature from the other team member. And then you decided to bring it into, you know, the winning idea, that sort of thing. But what at the end of this phase, usually you would have some sort of a, a blueprint of what the prototype may look like. And you can even elaborate it further as a user story flow or user interface flow, that sort of stuff. And then that becomes yeah, like your blueprint, which prepares you for the next step, prototyping. So prototyping 
prototyping is basically you have a series of storyboards, like different screens that you want to prototype, and then you can do it in whatever way you're comfortable with. If you're a handy product designer and you know your tools really, really well, or if you're a really good UI designer, then you can jump into something like Figma or Adobe XD straight away and then start prototyping in there. I encourage a lot of marketers to do prototyping themselves as well, even though if they don't have access to you know a prototyper or a designer at that time, they can always use whatever they are comfortable with, even like as simple as you know like powerpoint is completely fine as long as you can mm -hmm. still visualize things so it doesn't matter yeah. back in the days I, I still remember people used to do paper prototype no one really does that anymore i think just because the tools are so handy i mean like there's things like canva and all of that so i think it's no excuse you can always prototype something the difference is when you get a professional designer to do it they can do it in you know something like figma then they can just hand it over to a developer that comes easy yeah. but nevertheless yeah, there's no excuse for you to not prototype your idea so yeah that's prototyping and then once the prototype is done you can move to the next step which is to validate so validate is where you do your usability testing based on the prototype that you've devised you have this interface or this facade if you like of your idea and then you go and test it you just ask your users your real users and there are different ways of recruiting users uh, which i won't get into for now but yeah you can run surveys you can ask you know you can run user testing sessions uh cognitive uh walkthrough stakeholder reviews there's so many different ways of doing it but that's what validate means but what we want to get out of of it is basically a pattern of feedback at the end of it. Once you get a pattern of feedback, then it advises you or it gives you an idea of what the best next step might be. And I think in doing so, in doing this user testing session, you can decide more objectively rather than not. And yeah, usually at the end of it, then teams could think about their ideas again or a couple of different scenarios. One is what I call the epic win. The epic win means everything's so perfect. People love it. Uh, they love your idea and it's ready for production. And that's where you go into rolling out your design and actually building it, coding it, and actually launching an MVP or something. But in most cases, life is not as beautiful as that. In most cases, it'll be a situation where you'll have to iterate something, uh, whether it's iterating a certain feature or killing a number of features that the users don't even care. You start off with this five different killer features that you think is going to be the best app ever. But chances are, you know, the user might just need one of it, but you don't actually need to build those other four, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing the process. It was really interesting. One question about ID. So I know creative work and especially ideation is a group activity, especially brainstorming. How much do you give it to one person or to a group of people? I guess there is someone who is in charge with the project. So at some point, uh, one person has to be accountable and just push forward, even if things get stuck or whatever. But how much do you count on the whole team or multiple people and how much you give it to just one person and they have to do yeah. it? And... In our books, the ideal project team for, let's say, a product, a product design project is you need to have, like you said, someone that holds the compass and he's or she's the navigator of all of this. And oftentimes that's the role of what I call the facilitator. And a facilitator could come from any background. He or she could be a designer. He or she could be a product manager, but the mm -hmm. person who would run this thing, right? And is trusted by the team. Oftentimes as, as a, an external consultant, we would come in as a facilitator into our client's office and mm -hmm. it gives them the benefit of that is we're unbiased about the politics and the company and all of that. We're, we're fresh new people. 
people that does not know a lot about a whole bunch of things. So we can be quite unbiased about it. But yeah, so you would have a facilitator. You would need to have another person who is also quite important is we call them the decider. The decider is the person that the business trusts so much to represent the, the voice of the business. So it may be the founder if it was a startup or if it was a big enterprise company, oftentimes it'll be like a product manager or something like that or the head of digital or something like that. But a person that the company trusts to to be able to make the decisions, the hard decisions. So you've got a facilitator, a decider, and then you've got designers who would end up prototyping and doing the UI design and all that. And they're the ones who has knowledge on the tools. And then you've got, usually what I like to do is get other team members in as well who are who is not necessarily design. They could be like marketing. They could be sales. Yeah. Oftentimes, the people that bring so much value in a process like this are people who are the closest to the end user. And they could be like a customer service person. They could be like a sales representative or something like that. And they'll come in, they'll start by saying, oh, like, I don't know anything about design. I can't, you know, I can't draw that sort of stuff. But little that they know, they actually bring so much value because they know the customer so well. And then when we start the ideation process, we start this thing called co-design. And so as a facilitator, I would say I'm the facilitator, then I would have an agenda ready and I will make it feel like it's easy to do, that it's not too scary for those who are not designers, but we run it in a structured way using design thinking processes where we give them an example of how to do it and let them do it on their own. Oftentimes it's very systematic, but it's very logical as well that it's that's not rocket science. Everyone can do it. And I always say it's not a drawing competition. So please don't worry about how beautiful your drawing or how bad your drawing looks. At the end of the day, it's not that. But as long as there's clarity, then it's going to bring so much value. And so if everyone feels like it's a democratic process, it's collaborative, no one's being judged. And at the end of the day, we're all going to look at the ideas together, do a speed critique or you know vote on a certain idea. It's such a democratic process that everyone appreciates it and everyone gets heard. Everyone gets really comfortable with it. And at the end of the day, the best thing about it is those who are not designers and then they get to see the prototype looks like their idea. It's the best feeling ever oftentimes for them. And they can't believe it can happen in such a quick time frame. So yeah, that's that's ideation. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned it's a democratic uh, process and uh, everyone gets heard and uh, it's not a drawing competition or not some kind of performance competition. Uh, mm. I really recommend one book to everyone about the creative process it's mm -hmm. creativity inc by the co-founder of uh, pixar i really yeah. like that book it uh, mentions a lot of principles about creativity also it requires very different leadership than let's say performance marketing or where we measure everything it's creative process so i have yeah. one more question for you so if somebody can't afford a product designer and let's say pay your team to to do it for them they are a small business or a startup what can they do what should they do about this yeah right so first of all well, to answer that question, probably would like to help by understanding the role of a product designer. If you were to have your own product designer in your company or in your team, what do they do exactly on a daily basis, right? A product designer, you can think about it as a UI UX designer that understands a business problem. That's probably the easiest way to think about it. Product designers, what they do a lot is they research, which means they research, you know, like I said earlier, both the business needs and the user needs or user behavior patterns. But if you don't have the luxury of employing what you need is probably the way I would describe it is a good UI designer who has a good sense of empathy and mm -hmm. oftentimes a good designer has really good soft skills that it's really hard to judge just by looking at the portfolio or a resume you only get to know that once you work with them and 
understand how thoughtful they are. So good product designers are, are very thoughtful. And even if they don't have the label of a product designer, if they are a digital designer or a UI designer who can execute designs well, and then you kind of like pair that with their with a good soft skill of being able to empathize about you know your end users or your customers and also empathize with you as a business owner, then I think you've got a good product designer or a, a good potential product designer over there. And they might just not know that they're actually a product designer. I think the term is quite difficult because a product designer in a small startup business could mean completely different to a product designer in like a Google company, you know, yeah. like a huge company. Because over there, they would do in, in a large corporation, product designer would be very specific to something. Their role is very much specific to a certain feature, even perhaps, or a certain product. For the startup, product designer just does everything. Yeah, and has to have a lot of creative ideas while right. in a I wouldn't even be Yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if a product designer in a startup ends up doing flower, flyers, brochures, or print. <laughs> print yeah. artworks yeah. Yeah. yeah like the way the way i tell you know people most of the time is it actually doesn't matter like i think the thing that matters at the end of the day is that you're a designer first and foremost a good designer helps solve meaningful problems and if you can help think you know if you can help your clients or your customers think that way then i think you're off to the races of becoming a good designer whatever designer that may be and then you kind of just attach it with what tools what knowledge of tools you know you know you happen to know figma and the rest of the other adobe stuff then yeah you might be leading into like a digital or a digital designer thing uh, yeah i don't have more questions it was really interesting to hear more about product design and design in general all of these mm -hmm. principles and the different stages of the process thanks for sharing all of these today and uh, no if problem. anyone wants to find you and your company where they should go uh, so our website is relab relab.com.au for australia if you just search for relab studios and youtube then you'll be able to find our channel and most content are basically around product design uh, ux design processes design thinking and also thanks everyone who listened to us today every week we come out with two episodes now we just double down on the podcast so uh, stay tuned very exciting conversations uh, twice a week and uh, thanks again have a great day everyone